Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Hello, dear listeners. Wait till you see this. That's the exuberant exclamation of someone who can't wait to show and tell you something that must be fantastic. Perhaps it was something great bought at a bargain price on Black Friday or Cyber Monday. Maybe it is the surprisingly excellent report card that proud Karen is waving in Mum's face. Wait till you see this. When you read the opening verses of Revelation 21, you can hear the Apostle John's brimful with excitement because of what the Lord God was showing him in a vision. In a vision, that is a revelation, the uncovering of some amazing things. And this, while the Apostle had been banished by the Emperor to a small island called Patmos off the west coast of Asia Minor. And yet it was there that he received amazing news about the course of history, the history of the church and of all people from shortly after Christ's return to heaven to his second coming. In chapter 20 of this amazing book, John had seen an angel coming down from heaven. He'd seen the decisive battle between Christ and the dragon had been fought and had been won by Jesus Christ. The dragon had been thrown into what is called the lake of fire and sulfur, and the last judgment had been pronounced and had passed. But the marriage supper of the Lamb had also been announced, and Christ's bride, that is the church, had been granted the privilege of making herself ready, having clothed herself with fine linen, bright and pure." But now, in chapter 20, the verses 1 through 8, the vision and the prophecy proceeded to the recreation of all things. And this grand renewal will be universal, total. For as we read in verse 5, the one seated on the throne, who must be King Jesus Christ, said, Behold, I am making all things new. So then the apostle didn't see a program of redecoration going on in heaven and on earth, a kind of a universal touch-up of sorts. No, but a most glorious renewal of everything. The word that John used for that new heaven and that new earth is not the opposite of old, but of obsolete it means that the old heaven and the old earth had had their day and needed to be replaced. This old earth, so polluted with sin and its consequences, as well as the existing heaven, though the dwelling place of God had been open to Satan's attack and his accusations against believers. But from his throne on high, God and his exalted Son, Jesus Christ, would see to it that new things would come about, things 
prophesied even long ago by someone like Isaiah the prophet, through whom God had said, Behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered. That's chapter 65, verse 17. And the apostle Peter, in his second letter, also says that we, that means he and other believers, are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. For, said Peter, the heavens, and here it means the heavenly bodies, the sun, the moon, the stars, the galaxies, will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. In the process, this earth, said Peter, will be exposed or laid bare. But then, we need to remember that fire does not only burn up, but it also purifies. It cleanses like nothing else can. And this is what will happen as heaven and earth undergo a thorough purification and not a whiff of unrighteousness, not a suggestion of evil accusations will be found anywhere anymore. At the end of Revelation 21, verse 1, John says that he saw that the sea was no more. And that's a powerful statement, too, for this sea is not the Mediterranean or the North Sea, although you could call it a terrible black sea, for in Revelation the sea is shown to be synonymous with hostility. It is a sinful, destructive power. Even in the Old Testament, the sea is an image of the wicked. We find that, for instance, in Isaiah 57, verse 20. And in Revelation 13, we read of a horrible beast who is shown to be the dragon's first ally in the persecution of the woman's offspring, and it comes out of the sea, the sea of humanity. When God brings about the new heaven and earth, however, no more sea, no more wicked scheming against the anointed of the Lord, no more violence and persecution and heaped on the church, no more waves and breeding grounds of immorality and idolatry. Instead, John saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, 21 verse 2. He saw her in her glorious state as Isaiah the prophet had also been told. We may know this Jerusalem to be not that physical city in the state of Israel today. No, it stands for Christ's holy, his Catholic, that means his universal church. It truly is the church in glory. That church, made up of glorified citizens now in heaven above, will be united with true believers here on earth. Elsewhere, the Bible says these will meet each other in the air at the return of Christ, and they will dwell on the new earth in amazing peace and glory, and no doubt even in productivity. John heard a loud voice from the throne saying, The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. This gracious God, 
will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And not only that, but the ushering in of this new heaven and new earth will mean that all death and mourning and crying will disappear. There will be no more pain which ravages the lives of so many today. The most amazing thing is that there will be no more sin, no more revolution and opposition to the Lord God, no more wickedness either in human beings' relationship to each other, no more devious, underhanded thoughts and deeds. Earlier in Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth, he had spoken, as the prophet Isaiah had done in Isaiah 64, of what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Unimaginable beauty, peace, and glory awaits those who put their trust in Jesus Christ alone. Yes, God has preserved these wondrous gifts for those who fear him, for those who will have nothing to do with that world of immoral and ungodly arrogance that threatens to take the whole world by storm. John and the churches and we ourselves are not left guessing whether this renewal of all things will actually take place. For he was told, and we are told in no uncertain terms by God himself, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Are you and I among those God calls the thirsty? Do you cherish this revelation and its sure fulfillment like the life-giving waters of the Lord? I pray this would be the case. If you are, if you belong to those God calls the ones who conquer, who fight what the Bible calls the good fight of the faith and are victorious, you surely are richly blessed. For God says to you, I will be your God, and you will be my son and my daughter. Yet to the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, those sexually immoral idolaters and liars, God says, your portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. That too is found in Revelation 21, verse 8. It is a powerful warning. But then the Lord God urges us all to forsake evil ways. He'd have us seek him with all our heart while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. May you too be joined to Jesus Christ and so wait actively in faith to see this new heaven and new earth and so pray, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Maranatha, Amen. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you.